Ted Kennedy, and more about Otto Kerner. Please join us in listening to the remarkable story from the life and times of Michael Butler. In this podcast series, you'll be hearing stories from the primary themes of Michael Butler's life and memoirs. Politics, polo, theater, and love. Please subscribe via iTunes so you don't miss a single podcast. And we'll see you on the other side. In, uh, we're at 6970. And Ronnie Tong, who is my personal attorney and also my partner in the Santa Barbara Polo Club, we were in Honolulu uh, tracking down a version of hair that was an outlaw production. And uh, after we had uh, located them and talked with them, which is another story that I'll go on to later, why I was dying to see the Village of Refuge, which is an area in Kona that on the Big Island, which is where during the Hawaiian uh, monarchy, the different criminals, if they could get to this area, why they could not be touched by the king. So Ronnie and I took a helicopter and went to Kona and went to the sea the uh, village of refuge, which was an incredible area, it was right on the on the ocean, so to speak, and it was a bunch of stone areas that were like they were lava and had different water puddles in it. Very st- strange areas, certainly not a place that one could live for any period of time, unless you could eat the fish or things that might get into the little puddles. But anyway, while we were at Kona, the phone rang, and it was from Boston. And we were informed that the district attorney and the censor in Boston had ordered the show to change, particularly the flag scene, and that uh, and a couple of other things, uh, or they would not allow us to run. The authors had... We were, we were told the authors had agreed to these changes. I would not agree to them, particularly to the American flag scene, because I could see absolutely nothing wrong with that scene. And I had had a member of the general staff, General Stockton, had actually seen the uh, scene, had actually watched the scene, and did not find anything offensive about it. We immediately flew back to Boston, and uh, I got in touch with Ted Kennedy. In fact, I wound up driving him personally to the Logan Airport where he was going to fly back to Washington, D.C. And I asked Ted, I said, we've never, ever asked the Kennedys for anything, and I'm now asking you for a favor Please get your people, because the politicians in Boston were part of Kennedy's people, to pull off on this thing. Otherwise, we're going to have a political fight. And Ted said, okay, I'll take care of it. I never heard from him. I never saw him again. Didn't want to see him again, because we then had to enter into 
a big battle. We got Jerry Berlin and his law firm to get involved, and we won. And we also saw that the Kennedy people who were running for office were defeated. Meanwhile, the Nixon gang were in control of the White House, and they had a real hate for Judge Kerner. Otto had decided not to run again for office, and as a consequence, why he was appointed a federal judge. Then what happened was that, uh, you'll recall, he was the head of the Civil Rights Commission, and Johnson had made him ahead of that, also appointed him as a judge. The Nixon gang had a big hate on for the Kerner Commission and for Judge Kerner in particular because Kerner had come up with a very sensible program and a very clear picture of the civil rights issue, which, of course, did not go along with the situation that existed in the southern part of the United States because Nixon's whole strategy was to use the fear of the blacks to get the southern white Democrats to go Republican. Of course, we all know he was very successful in doing this, and his principal associate in this was his attorney general, Mitchell. Two pretty despicable characters, and they went after Otto Kerner. They got the local attorney in Chicago, Thompson, to file a suit and uh, to persecute Otto Kerner as a criminal. By this time, I was spending a great deal of my time in England, which had really become my home. And so as a consequence, I was not around during a lot of the Kerner trials and so forth and so on. However, in 1973, Otto Kerner was convicted and was sent to jail. This was a stunning situation for anybody who really knew anything about Otto Kerner, including my father, who, as you know, was a really basically a reactionary Republican. He thought the sun and the moon uh, set on Otto Kerner. And I, almost everybody, Otto Kerner was one of the most popular politicians in the state of Illinois, and he was enormously respected. In my life, I have never met anybody who was more of a mentor or more of a honorable person than Otto Kerner. He was convicted by using a lot of weird steps uh, involving Marge Everett, and Bailey Howard, all the people in the racing scene. And uh, it was a terrible, terrible situation. The ultimate outcome of this, is, well, people have tried many, many times to do something about a pardon of Kerner. And legally, if he was alive, it would be very clear that his, the basis on which he was charged and convicted is no longer valid. Thompson, who went on to be a governor in Illinois for quite a while, I have a feeling 
having last seen him at the Lincoln Academy's 50th anniversary when he spoke about the Academy, which you will recall was a creation of Otto Kerner's. I have a feeling that Thompson does not feel the way he felt about Kerner when he ran the prosecution. However, there have been several symposiums, various attempts to do something about Otto Kerner. It has not come to pass. But most recently, the tapes of the Nixon uh, White House and Mitchell pertaining to Otto Kerner have very made it very clear that they were out to get him and had nothing to do with his personal work. It had to do with his work for the people dealing with civil rights. Please subscribe via iTunes so you don't miss a single podcast. And we'll see you on the other side.